Tracy, over to you for weather. The sun must be shining, Dave, because the 7 for 7 sale is back at Meyer. Mix or match hundreds of items like extra large avocados and mangoes, Kraft macaroni and cheese, and Glasso vitamin water. Pick any 7 for just $7. There's a strong chance of saving with the same quality Meyer deals in store or online. Back to you, Dave. Sounds great, Tracy. Deals so good. You've just got to talk about them. Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. I know. I'm sick of them, too. Merrick Garland, one day of this stuff, and we've been chewing it over and chewing it over. And it's important that we do, because I think this man has a big role in bringing down this country, potentially on purpose. Look, uh, I saw some things that I don't think anybody else saw. I'll get to those in a moment. But we all saw that he was deceptive, that he was evasive, that he was obnoxious, and most of all, sanctimonious, huh? Sanctimonious. You know, we hear about Rhonda Sanctimonious, which is, but we sometimes forget. What does sanctimony mean? The action or practice of acting as if one were morally superior to other people. Well, that is Merrick Garland. Absolutely. Take a look. Attorney General, I need a simple yes or no to the following. Just yes or no, because we don't have much time. Do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Yes or no? Let me answer what you've said in that long list of... of, I'm at, it's, of I'll be happy the, to answer all of those. Attorney but General, just, I control the time. I'm going to ask you to answer well, the you, questions you, I asked. You ask. control time by asking me a substantial number of things. And I, let I, me I didn't give, ask you those things. I, I made a statement. The, Attorney will, General... Through the chair, I ask you, do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Look, I have no idea what, your, what the traditional uh, means here. The Catholics, idea, let Catholics me just, that go I to church. Your, may I answer your question? Yes the or idea no. that someone with my family background would discriminate against any religion is so outrageous, Mr. so absurd. Mr. Well, it's exactly what your FBI did multiple times in multiple cities. What's he talking about? His family background. Well, kind of to preempt some of this criticism at the outset of the hearing, he told us that he lost his grandmother's sister in the Holocaust, which is awful. My wife, her ancestors, plenty of them were lost in the Holocaust. It doesn't mean she gets to push around Catholics today. And that's what our DOJ is doing. And I'm sorry, how about a straight answer? He had to be pushed and cajoled into finally saying not much. Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? I think that... Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? Everything in that memo is Are they extremists or not? I'm asking a simple question. Say no if you think that was wrong. Catholics are not extremists. No. The question was, traditional Catholics, are they extremists? I don't know what traditional means. So he dropped traditional. So let's say Catholics who do not believe that gay pride flag should be flown over schools, right? Um, are we traditional Catholics, right? Does that make us extremists? What's going on here? This is serious stuff. It is. And the deceptiveness. Take a look at Kristen Welker's interview with Donald Trump just for a moment. This is from Sunday. I'm facing four Biden indictments. He told the Justice Department to indict him or Merrick Garland said, let's indict him. So this came up a lot. Was it a Biden ordered indictment? 
The answer from Merrick Garland, I thought, was very revealing. So that statement the president made on Sunday was false. I'm just going to say again that uh, no one has told me uh, who should be indicted uh, in, uh, in, in, in any matter like this. And uh, the decision about indictment was made by Mr. Smith. No one has told me. No one has told me. When he first said that, I thought he said, we can't tell. Did he say matter or manner? I thought it was manner. Whatever. Let's pretend it's manner for a moment or let's go with matter. Um, no one told him. But the signal was sent, I do believe, Joe Biden last year. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution does not become the next president again. So he's talking about Donald Trump in November of last year. I know he's going to mumble and talk, but we broke it down and we made a mini transcript of those comments, and they're rather chilling. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. If he does run, I'm making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of our Constitution, does not become the next president again. That sure isn't saying we're going to beat him at the ballot box, does it? No. And this signal was sent to Merrick Garland, I know. I read it in the newspaper, the New York Times. They were pressuring him all last year. Garland faces growing pressure on January 6th investigation as it widens. And take a look inside that story. He was, as recently as late last year, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Donald J. Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. Next, one more. I think we have one more. No? All right. Well, it's right there in their favorite newspaper down there in the swamp. Um, that's a pretty significant message. You know who else came up a lot? Uh, Weiss, the U.S. attorney. Is he a special counsel now? He's a special counsel at this point. Now, this is where the deception really kicks in. Watch this. Can you imagine the, the claims that you had removed a prosecutor who was diligently investigating Hunter Biden? Can you imagine the outrage they would have expressed? I can say that in, during my confirmation hearing, I discussed with many senators um, on, on, on that side of the aisle their uh, desire and actual insistence that uh, Mr. Weiss be continued to uh, um, uh, have responsibility for that matter. Um, and I promised and I said at my confirmation hearing that he would be permitted to stay and that I would not interfere. I was listening to this as I came to work, and I know yeah, that, doesn't say, that doesn't ring true, and I don't recall anything like that. He said many senators in his confirmation hearing, they wanted an assurance that David Weiss was going to be kept on. We went back to the 2021 confirmation hearings, and guess what? David Weiss never came up, never was mentioned. Hmm? How about that? I think they may have realized their error a little bit later. Uh, the Democrats did. Watch this. Can you explain to us in a little more detail who you promised that you would keep Mr. Weiss on this case? Who, to whom was that promise made? Yeah, so a number of, of, um, 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 uh, of senators in my meetings with them asked me to make that promise. I think that was discussed in, uh, uh, in my interchange with a senator from Tennessee, I believe. 
A number of um, um, uh, senators, I think, uh, an interchange, uh, a senator from uh, Tennessee, maybe. That's a lot different from many senators during my confirmation hearing, wanted the assurance that David Weiss was going to be kept on. He's playing a big game with us. Does he think he's fooling us? I think he's that arrogant. All right. Jack Smith was mentioned a couple of times. Ooh, this is a picture that could give you bad dreams. Jack Smith, he went on and on about... Uh, his reputation for honesty, integrity? Mr. Smith had a nationwide reputation for integrity uh, and for uh, oh, appropriate prosecution. <laughs> By nationwide, maybe he had friends in California and friends in New York. This guy did not have a national reputation for integrity. It's a joke. And on paper, he could not be the special counsel, the independent counsel. Let's... He's married, and that's great. Jack Smith is married. That's his wife, and that's beautiful. And you can work for the government, fine. You can even work for the government when your wife gives money to Democrats. That's totally allowed. And she's given thousands of dollars uh, to the Biden uh, uh, campaign and Biden PACs, and also, we believe, Obama. And she worked. She produces documentaries, and she produced one for Michelle Obama, becoming one of the worst documentaries ever. So you can do all this stuff, but you can't be the independent counsel. You can't, all right? It's just by definition, he's not independent. He's not impartial. All right. Then there was this, which I found particularly offensive. Our job is to uphold the rule of law. That means we apply the same laws to everyone. Our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor. Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. And it includes protecting democratic institutions like this one by holding accountable all those criminally responsible for the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The attack that closed down the Capitol for three and a half hours, they cleaned it up and they were back in business. You see, January 6th, it's right up there with Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Equal justice under the law, take a look. January 6th, how many days was January 6th? Well, it was one, right? And one riot. Black Lives Matter summer, at least. 633 riots, the property damage, the lives lost. Talk to the family of that man in St. Louis. This is no comparison. But for them, they continue with this this fantasy. And it's become a reality that January 6th, the worst thing that ever happened. I did like it when he got caught, right? When Merrick Garland got caught. And even he couldn't, he knew he got caught. Watch. Has anyone from the White House provided direction at any time to you personally, or to any senior officials at the DOJ regarding how the Hunter Biden investigation was to be carried out? No. All right. That's like, a, 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 we're going to compare to that. He knows how to answer a question. He can be straightforward. No. Nobody from the White House, right? No. Watch this. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, I, don't I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't, recollect, you don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I, I don't believe that I did. You see that? He giggles a little bit when he's uh, caught 
There's a little bit of a giggle there. All right, so overall, you see what's going on. There's deceptive, there's these evasive, obnoxious, and, uh, and then this, I would say, is dangerous, saying that somehow government employees are beyond criticism. What is dangerous is when anyone singles out a career prosecutor or a career FBI agent, and we know as a matter of fact that that kind of singling out has led to threats. Singling out individual career public servants who are just doing their jobs is dangerous. When they are singled out, um, uh, this can lead to threats of violence and actual violence. You can't single people out. You know, he's talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump can't criticize uh, the judge, can't criticize because it will lead to threats. You know, why is that? We can single out people. I get singled out. Members of Congress get singled out. People get singled out. Facebook, PTA members get singled out. Uh, if at least we don't want it to lead to threats. All right. We have law enforcement for that. You're telling me that uh, Strzok, what was his name? Strzok and Page. Remember the, the situation they had and how they colluded with all kinds of other people to stop Trump back in 2016? We can't talk about them. No, we're going to, all right? And we have to. And Jack Smith is going after our president, President Trump. We can't criticize him. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. Uh, of course not. Nobody does. I want him to lose in court. I can question his motives. I can question his wife and how she gave money. We're allowed to do it. It's still America. If you want to shut down threats, Merrick Garland, why don't you make an appointment with Senator Schumer? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. What's worse, saying that or Donald Trump making fun of uh, Jack Smith on Truth Social? Hmm? What resulted from that man's display? Mobs showed up in violation of the law. You're not allowed to picket, parade, protest in front of a judge's home. It's actually against the law, but they let it happen. Kavanaugh, his little girls, that was very, very scary. Some people think it may have influenced and may still influence his vote. He doesn't want another mob to show up on his front lawn. Uh, it's unfortunate, but bad things have happened in America that have nothing to do with MAGA, all right? From time to time, and we have law enforcement for this, right? And we have intelligence services. We don't want these things to happen, but they have happened. They make it sound like version to the FBI started because of Donald Trump. Let's go back to 1979. You can do this. We can do documentaries, movies have been made about this, but maniacs have walked into FBI offices. They've killed people before. It happens. There's several, many and many episodes of this. I guess perhaps the, the worst was the bombing of the office building, the federal office building in Oklahoma. Judges have been assassinated, usually by total kooks who had business before the court or some negative run-in with the FBI. I don't know, and I don't want that to happen. But you can't stifle our free speech. You can't kick us off of, of social media because you think it's going to lead to something. I'm sorry. You just can't. This is still America. And back to the deception. And everybody was in on this one, especially the media and Merrick Garland as well. And they will attack special counsel Weiss, who was appointed, let us not forget, by Donald Trump. Mr. Weiss 
was a longtime career prosecutor. President Trump appointed him. President Trump? President Trump appointed Weiss, who then you appointed? Yes, President Trump appointed Mr. Weiss as United States attorney. Even he, even the lie is getting kind of like, oh, wow, do I really have to throw my integrity away? Because he know, he should know, I know he knows, that Weiss was what they call a blue slip appointment. I have a blue slip right here, all right? They've been around for about 100 years. It's kind of like a, um, a senatorial privilege uh, that the executive branch grants the uh, legislative branch. So appointed by President Trump, well, how do those names get to President Trump? Recommended by the two Democrat senators from Delaware, Senator Tom Carper and Senator Chris Coons. They wrote it up. They formalized it. Their pick, David Weiss. They wanted David Weiss. They were happy when he got the job. David Weiss is an excellent choice. David is a career prosecutor. I want to thank the White House. This is the guy they wanted, and they got him. Never mentioned by basically anybody. And I think that's wrong. All right, January 6th, they're still using it as a weapon. And here, I do believe the attorney general is lying. Take a look. When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. No personal knowledge. You see, if you tell the truth carefully enough, maybe you don't have, well, what about professional knowledge, huh? In your personal capacity as a husband and father, you don't know. But as an attorney general, you must know, and this is a sensitive issue, how many FBI agents were there on January 6th, FBI informants? Chris Ray, the FBI director. This is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, gentlemen's time has expired. Oh, he's angry because he got caught. It never even occurred to me until the congressman asked that question that there could have been FBI sources inside the Capitol dresses Trump supporters until that question was asked and wasn't answered. I think the answer is obvious now. And yeah, putting it all together, perjury. Did we see perjury? Did he perjure himself today? I know that's a difficult case to prove, perjury in the legal sense, but I know he's a liar. When we come back, another liar. Her name is Cassidy Hutchinson. Busy promoting a book, so she had to put some trash in there and went after America's mayor with lies. Um, a despicable thing she did both last summer and again in this trashy book. I'll be right back. I switched. 
I switched. I switched. I made the switch to Newsmax. We start this morning in Washington where all eyes are on the White House. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Everyone is making the switch. I did. I did. I switched and it made all the difference. It made all the difference. Have you made the switch? You should. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. All right, who remembers Cassidy Hutchinson? Take it full, please. Cassidy in her white power suit on Capitol Hill. Cassidy talking about uh, what happened on January 6th, as told to her by uh, some guy named Tony and some guy named Bill and some guy named Rich. She talked to a lot of guys in the office. Anyway, she's out with a book. She gets to write a book like so many of the January 6th so-called witnesses, witnesses who saw nothing. Uh, she's one of them. The media fell in love with her. This is one of the many reasons America is like in a free fall, right, that they actually took her seriously. A person who saw nothing herself, but was just talking about what Tony and Bill and Richard and George told her. Cassidy Hutchison uh, was an exemplary witness who demonstrated remarkable courage and character. Cassidy Hutchison made a brave choice today. She was a great witness. She was absolutely precise. She was just brilliant. Uh, a 26-year-old patriot who stood in front of the committee alone and told the truth. Oh, my goodness. Kinzinger, Wallace, and Raskin like you. Uh, what horrible, horrible references. I think they were just actually attracted to her. It happens, really. Oh, she looked a certain way. She must be a certain way. Well, listen to her talk about stuff she didn't see. I looked at Tony and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, Guns. Tony would oversee all of that. You know, and I kind of noticed that uh, they didn't have a problem using the F word a lot, right? Tony was saying the F word to her. She was saying the F word to Tony. And I don't know. But what is she what is her latest accusation that Rudy Giuliani grabbed her rear end at this event, at the big January 6th event that he, America's mayor, groped her? Now, we talked to the mayor earlier. You know what was with him? Who was with him? His staff. It was a big deal. Ten people with got to go to Washington, D.C., including his girlfriend. All right? They're all there. This is a public event. It did not happen. It did not happen. This is an effort to sell a book. Oh, she also mentions that uh, Mr. Eastman, the guy there, right, that he looked on and saw the whole thing. And guess what he was doing? Leering, right? Leering. Why not? Throw a little bit of Me Too in there. We didn't get too much Me Too back when she testified. Uh, here she is back in the White House days. All right. I, I know that they were consumed with optics because, well, they sent her to some spa somewhere and gave her a big makeover uh, so she could wow people like, Wallace and uh, Kinzinger and Brett Baer and the rest, they were just, they thought she was so awesome. I think it was mostly because of optics. Yeah. And she fulfilled her lifelong dream of getting on television when she was attending um, high school and college. Yeah, there she was, one of those people who would show up to be on the Today Show or the Good Morning America show and get home and tweet about it, you know, 
love waking up to just being there on TV. Ooh, like this is a person who always wanted to be on television. And in our meritless society, they gave her a shortcut. And, well, she gets a book, she gets a new outfit, and she loses her soul. I'm sorry. Rudy Giuliani is a good man. And right now he's become easy pickings, right? Because the whole world is coming down on him because he's telling the truth and he's aligned with Trump. Mr. Mayor, hang in there. I know you will be fully and completely restored. Next. Pennsylvania, it is National Voter Registration Day. And today, I am proud to announce that for the first time ever, Pennsylvania is an automatic voter registration state. That's right. From now on, when you get or renew your driver's right. license or an we ID card. We showed this to you yesterday, Governor Shapiro, a little bit too enthusiastic about automatic registration through the DMV, automatically registered to vote. This is way, way dangerous. This is... There's so much potential for mischief, and I do believe criminality. And look who's really enthusiastic about it. Barack Obama came out with a big tweet. What good news it is starting today. Pennsylvania will begin automatic voting registration for folks getting a driver's license. I don't like this. I don't, and I know that it can be abused. This is one of the things that Jimmy Carter and James Baker warned about in that wonderful commission they chaired almost 20 years ago. Where has Obama been lately? Has he been to Maui? You know, has anybody remember Maui? No, right? The whole country's moved on. I do remember Joe showing up and making a disgrace out of himself, but has Obama forgotten his home state? Remember when he was running? Remember when he wanted us to like him? He's always reminding us about Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. He said nothing for Hawaii. I saw a tweet. I did. I saw a couple of uh, Instagram posts. And then I saw him at the U.S. Open. Barack Obama, what does he stand for? What is he doing with all that, with all that access, with all that status with the elites, and now with all that money? He is said to be a billionaire. What has he done with it? Hanging with celebs and taking care of number one. Uh, it's not just him. Republicans, too. George W. Bush. Whatever happened to him? Hmm? Uh, you know about those silly paintings, right? Mm, they're not so good. I'm offended by him and his lack of activity since he left the Oval Office. I mean, we gave that to him. America did. And now he uses it for himself. The prestige, the status of that office he used to enrich himself. Take a look at this. I'll give some speeches. This is when he was leaving. This is the last week in office in 2001. I'll give some speeches just to replenish the old coffers. I can make a ridiculous amount of money on speeches. That first part, to replenish the old coffers. Now, he did make a lot of money, some $15 million on speeches, but it was that part that I, I, I never forgot it. I, I haven't really looked at it since then, since it came out. He made $400,000 a year as president of the United States. And he has to replenish the coffers. That tells you just how far removed these people are from our lives. And I'm sorry, we have, we have elected some real bums. I'll be right back.
We're proud to announce a new sponsor today, Vault U.S. Gold. Vault U.S. Gold is a new breed of gold dealer. They've been in the industry for years, and they hate the questionable sales tricks and tactics that some other dealers use. Vault U.S. Gold was created to offer fair and honest deals to their customers. What makes them different? Well, first, they don't pay their salespeople commissions so they can focus on helping you, not lining their own pockets. Second, your needs are a priority. They ask about your preferences, tolerance for risk, and ultimate goals. They create a custom written proposal that details exactly what you are buying and the current price. Few dealers are that transparent because they don't want you to see their huge markups. And if you're thinking of adding gold to your IRA account, this is the right team. They're specialists in gold IRAs. Give Vault USA a call at 833-511-4653. Mention you heard it on this show and you'll get a free gift. Or visit them online at vaultusgold.com. That's vaultusgold.com. Together. Together. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was awkward and weird. That's Joe Biden for you with Bibi Netanyahu, who should be our closest ally in the world. But things are very tense uh, between Israel and the Biden administration. A lot of stuff going on internationally at the U.N. General Assembly. Let's bring in Blaine Holt, the retired brigadier general from the Air Force. Welcome back, sir. And Gordon Chang, author, China expert. And you got to check out uh, The Coming Collapse of China. And also China is going to war. These books are more important than ever before. Um, Welcome back, gentlemen. I think Joe has left. Has he left New York? He's left New York. Phew. Uh, how much damage did he do at the United Nations? Uh, first to you, General. Yeah, well, it's great to be with you. Uh, lots of damage, uh, quite a considerable amount, uh, especially with uh, uh, Netanyahu. But that damage occurred uh, before they even met, and he did some weird sign of the cross as they were talking. Um the the six billion dollars that went to Iran uh, was damage enough, and potentially put um, Bibi Netanyahu into a position where he's got to consider preemptive warfare against Iran, as they now have the resources they need to accelerate towards uh, their nuclear weapons and foment uh, terrorism around the world. While uh, the average price going rate now for an American that's been abducted is one point two billion. Not a lot of inspiration except for climate change stuff in a speech on the world that's at the brink of World War Three. So not impressive. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, hey, making the sign of the cross, that's fine, except when, like Joe Biden, you do it as a punchline. You do it as a joke. You do it that's as right. a disrespectful. Right. To uh, cover up for some gaffe you just made. Um, do me a favor, uh, Gordon. Listen to this. Matt Gates on China, actually, and North Korea with the attorney general today. What's the, the basis? Just tell us all now. What, what, why was the China initiative dissolved? What, uh, uh, the, what the assistant attorney general said was that we face attacks from four nation states, North Korea, China, Russia, and Iran, and that we need to focus our attention on the broad range of these attacks. Sometimes we but, don't but, but wait know. A second. You don't, are you saying that North Korea has the same malign influence risk to the United States as the Chinese Communist Party? Are you are you trying to represent there's some parity there? Interesting point. I never thought about it that way. Gordon, he's on to something, Congressman Gates. Well, he certainly is, because the China initiative was important. China uses every point of contact to undermine the United States, and its activities are malicious, and they're also effective. 
And, you know, you, you hear the attorney general talk about the four countries, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. We didn't hear that from the president of the United States at his U.N. General Assembly speech. That is the reality today. We have gotten from the president um, just no awareness of the most important events that are occurring. And you can't deal with the world unless you're willing to acknowledge reality. And the Justice Department is also not willing to acknowledge that China is the threat. North Korea, yeah, they're a problem, but they wouldn't be a problem without China. And I've learned this from you, and now I'm reading more about China because it's, uh, well, it's not going away, obviously. The situation inside China is uh, horrific in terms of the economy. The people are upset. I think we may have an image of um, domestic economic strife inside China. And President Xi, General Blaine, is worried about these folks rising up Tiananmen Square style or worse. And a war might be just the thing he needs, what, to distract everybody? Greg, you've nailed it. He is he has really got a bad paranoia case now uh, on a potential revolt from his people or uh, a revolt from inside the PLA, which, you know, he just sacked his uh, defense minister. He's looking to roll up another eight this week. Um, and the man is now redirecting his travel efforts, staying on the ground as much as possible. He missed the G20. Uh, he's not at the U.N. General Assembly. Uh, he's really in inner, his inner circle, which is also not loyal. So what's the answer? The answer could potentially be, well, I'll make a new villain and I'll create a war and redirect the CCP and the PLA and the people against that. That's their Hail Mary pass. I'm very worried we're getting to that place. Thank you very much, General Holt. Uh, follow him at The Irascible on Twitter. And, and you too, Gordon Chang. And please go to Gordon G. Chang, at Gordon G. Chang. It may give you bad dreams, uh, but <laughs> it's, a very important, um, it's a very important source of information. Thank you both, gentlemen. Great to be Thanks, with guys. So this is during Black Lives Matter summer. You'll see a New York, that's a New York City police vehicle on fire. It had just been firebombed uh, by these two individuals. Uh, they happen to be lawyers. This woman, yeah, you see, that's a Molotov cocktail. She was a practicing lawyer, and they were recently sentenced. She and her partner there, both attorneys, uh, the man on the left sentenced to one year, one day in prison on the right, she got 15 months in prison. Not sure if they've been disbarred or not. Now, remember, they torched a police vehicle and damn near almost killed a cop. You compare that to Enrique Terrio, who didn't enter the Capitol, who didn't hurt anybody, who didn't break anything, just got 22 years. How about the horns guy? Yeah, he was inside the Capitol. But we believe he walked in. He didn't break in and he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break anything and actually is heard on tape calling for peace. It seems totally outrageous. And the J6 community, can I call it a community? They are suffering big time. Um, now, someone who's come out um, relatively unscathed. Actually, I take that back. He's better than ever. He's Brandon Strzok. Founder of the Walk Away campaign. And uh, Brandon, you were there on January 6th. You didn't hurt anybody. You didn't break anything. You didn't go inside the Capitol, but uh, they gave you six months under house detention. You just saw the side by side. Uh, it's talk about a two tier system of justice. 
Yeah, not only a two-tiered system of justice, but it, you know, this is the reason why a lot of people wonder, think that conservatives are crazy conspiracy theorists. So when we say things like our justice system is being infiltrated by Marxists, well, this is the reason why we say these things, because we have actual lawyers showing up to these protests, throwing Molotov cocktails into police cars and setting off explosives. There are also school teachers who are doing things like this as well. So this is the reason why we're concerned about the Marxist takeover of our justice system, which is being weaponized against conservatives. But yes, to your point, there are many J6ers uh, who, you know, went inside the building. One that comes to mind is, uh, you, you mentioned the J6 community. It is a community of sorts because a lot of people have been persecuted and people can't understand what this feels like unless you go through it. Uh, I've made a lot of friends with people, including a man named John Strand, who quite literally did nothing more than walk inside of the Capitol. He was acting as a bodyguard to another person uh, who was inside of the Capitol giving a speech that day, and he's uh, spending three years in federal prison for the 45 minutes that he did nothing but walk around inside of the Capitol. And as we speak right now, he's in solitary co confinement in a Miami prison where he's been in solitary confinement for three weeks. But he has a three-year sentence for walking around inside of the Capitol. He didn't throw explosives at anybody. He wasn't violent. Uh, he didn't blow anything up. But this is the way these cases are being handled differently than, say, when the left commits egregious acts of violence. Thank you very much for saying all that. I only have a few seconds left. Can you please, in 15 seconds, tell us about your event coming up in November? Absolutely. My, uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida, November 10th through the 12th is Walk-A-Con, a, a three-day weekend of patriotism, inspiration, fellowship. It's amazing. I want to encourage everyone to go to walkawayanniversary.com, get your tickets, and come and join us in West Palm Beach, Florida, November 10th through the 12th. It's going to be the greatest weekend you ever had, and you're going to really enjoy the inspiration you're going to feel from this weekend of fellowship. All right, Brandon Strzok, we appreciate it so much, okay? Thanks, Check Greg. it out. You bet. When we come back, broadcasting legend Greta Van Sustern right here in the studio with a very special interview she just conducted. Please stay with us. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. I totally mean it. Broadcasting legend Greta Van Sustern. <laughs> That's another way to say old. Not well, I mean, experienced and wise. You've been to all the networks. You know so much about journalism and the law. Thank you well, for being you, here. You and I have been at the same network. We've overlapped. True. And you were very supportive, very, very supportive and kind. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me about President Z of Ukraine. You just came from uh, seeing him. You know, it was, it was very interesting because, you know, it's always different when you see the person, you know, in person and you talk to um, someone. And we talked a little bit about the military. And I'll leave that to you with your military experience to see whether or not you think that he's got some good ideas or not ideas. That's your business with your experience. Um, but, you know, it struck me that he's got an uphill battle because he's got a, he thinks, at least this is what I think, is that he thinks he has to convince Congress and the president to give money to Ukraine, to Ukraine and for or military aid. But he really has to talk to the American people because the American people right now are not buying it in the sense that we've got $33 trillion in debt. We've got inflation. We, we may have a, a shutdown. So I think that he, I think he needs to sell his story to the American people, not so much to the politicians or the president, although they, of course, sign off the checks. Well, they seem to be all in. You're right. The, the people are kind of like, OK, what's going on here? 
What's he like? The, the, the personal demeanor. Is he funny? He was a comedian. He was a comedian. Jokes? He wasn't particularly funny. It's been a, it's been a long day for him. He's, he's been here. He's been going. He went to see Netanyahu, for instance. He's um, so he's been busy all day long. He gave the speech uh, before the UN. He's been before the UN Security Council. So he's pretty exhausted. Um, we did the we did the interview in his in Ukrainian language rather than English. Obviously, with the translation, he speaks English, but you know it's very exhausting when it's not your first language. So by the end of the day, he wanted to speak Ukrainian, which he feels more comfortable with. So of course. We, you know, we did, uh, uh, we translated, but um, he's tired. And he's got, he's got a lot on his show. He's got people dying all around him. He's got uh, Putin trying to kill him, trying to kill everybody that, uh, in his country. There's no end in sight. And even though the Ukrainians think that they, you know, that they're making inroads, maybe they are. They've still got the problem is that Putin is not crying uncle. And Putin, Putin's got nothing to lose at this point because if he were to suddenly go to the table and, and want to discuss something, he needs to give up all that territory. Plus, don't forget the ICC, the International Criminal Court, has indicted him for war crimes. And he's going to have to answer to that. So, um, you know, Putin's not giving up anytime soon, I don't think. Well, uh, let's do it, okay? You okay. just came from the... Um the, the, the room with President Z. Let's take a look, Retta. Mr. President, nice to meet you, sir. Nice to see you, too. And welcome to the United States. Uh, thank you. Thank you for hosting us. The problem here in the United States is Americans don't see it with their own eyes. So with the issue about whether to send more weapons or more money, it's how, how do you tell the American people when we've got a $33 trillion debt, our government may shut down, we have inflation in this country. How do you tell the American people that it's important to spend money over in Ukraine for the United States? Well, first, I would like to uh, express words of gratitude for the support uh, to Ukraine. I would like to extend words of gratitude to President Biden to bipartisan support. This is very important. What I believe is that you've made a very significant investment in the protection of de uh, uh, democracy. And I've already mentioned this, that uh, war is very expensive. It could be very expensive for the whole world. Now, if Ukraine will fall, then Putin will go further. He will attack the countries, member nations of NATO. And in that case, the United States, together with other allies, would have to make a decision whether they to send their own sons and daughters to this other war. And this is going to be very expensive because losing people, that's the highest price that um, any country may pay. And that's important to realize because Ukraine is standing, is holding its ground. And I think that it's far kind of cheaper if I can use like words like that. It's difficult to say because people are no money. But still, I think that it's uh, cheaper for the United States and for the whole world rather than later sending their own children for, for the war, for possibility of being killed. So whenever we are protecting the shared values, it's not just words, but we are truly uh, defending the uh, freedom and democracy. This challenges that I've mentioned, it's just one point. Second point, if Russia would be allowed uh, to do that by the other countries, now that will send a signal, so the aggressor can be capturing territories, can be killing people, can be capturing territories, territories whatever they want. So it might um, create challenges not only for Ukraine, but for other countries of the world. That may pose a challenge uh, to many countries, including the United States. You know, people think in the United States that this war started in February of 22. 
but it really does go back to 2014 in Crimea. Did the world sort of look the other way as Russia was uh, annexing Crimea? Yes, the world allowed uh, Russia to make this kind of crippling aggression that turned into a full-scale war. It started in 2014 and then uh, it went on to the occupation of Crimea and the response of the world was very weak, unfortunately. Because if uh, the ambitions, the sick ambitions of President Putin would be deterred, at that point, I'm sure that we would not have a full-fledged war. And starting from the occupation of Crimea and then uh, east of uh, Ukraine, uh, Donetsk and Lugansk region, this is when it all started. It was allowed to do that. Um, they were kind of handshaking with him. He was invited in all the conferences. And they're saying that there were concerns. They were sending signals or messages. It's not about the United States. It's, it's all about the whole world. Europe and the United States they were sending weeks signals. Everyone was afraid of uh, the uh, Putin's response. Nobody was willing, you know, uh, for the contracts between different countries and Russian Federation for those countries to be terminated. Nobody was willing to turn Putin into a personal enemy. And Ukraine was paying for that. So uh, he was let go with that. And uh, we, everyone thought that there will be Minsk agreements, there will be Normandy format, and it will pass uh, somehow, and uh, maybe it will result in a frozen conflict. But Still, the people of the world, they did not believe that this is just a matter of time when Putin would like to occupy the whole territory of Ukraine. Just as now, we're absolutely frank uh, in terms of saying that it's a matter of time. Once again, I would like to underline, if Ukraine will not uh, hold its grounds, then Putin will really want to occupy all the countries where there was influence of the USSR. When I was in the region and when I reported there for Newsmax, I, I was impressed with at least what it appeared to me to be Poland opening their arms and taking the refugees in. And they seem to be, you know, doing whatever they can to help. Have the other European nations that are really much closer to this than, for instance, the United States, are they contributing enough money and arms to, to uh, Ukraine or should they be doing more too? Well, I have to express words of gratitude to other, uh, to, to all the European countries. The Poland has uh, hosted a lot of people from Ukraine, people in Moldova, Slovakia, many of European countries. Germany hosted a lot of uh, people. Uh, Germany now has the largest uh, amount of uh, Ukrainian refugees. That's among all the European countries. Then people left to Canada, to United States. UK hosted a lot of Ukrainians. So. Frankly speaking, everyone was sort of using their own capabilities. They were hosting our people. I talked to, well, I, I talked with many leaders of the world, and I'm very grateful because they supported us in, in this aspect. And then there was a support in terms of the sanctions, but everyone was hosting our people. It doesn't matter the borders, it doesn't matter the laws or passports or inspections. That was the case. What is, let me ask you about Putin. He's got an arrest warrant out for genocide in the International Criminal Court. He's got sanctions applied to him. 
He's got uh, many countries around the world, except for countries like maybe China and North Korea and Iran, who have turned on him. What, what, what do you think is going on in his mind as he's sort of watching uh, this play out? Well, first, he wants to have some pause. Uh, he needs that. He needs this pause because he lost the initiative on the battlefield. Then he needs the pause for him to kind of increase the production of the artillery of shells of different caliber as well as missiles because sanctions they did um, have an impact but they are learning to circumvent those sanctions they are starting to use the materials from different countries including our partners well not all the sanctions are working not all the countries are um, kind of uh, complying with uh, the points that were voted for. So he needs the time in order to build up his army that was completely destroyed, and that's a fact, because they've mobilized a lot of people, and uh, a lot of submachine guns are now in the hands of these young soldiers. But they're not professionals. They're just mobilized people without experience in order to train them, in order to kind of have more people and weapons for his armed forces, he needs the time. So some of the countries in the world are now talking about the ceasefire. Well, we all know why this is necessary, because you, it's not that Ukraine is willing the war. No, we didn't start the war. We don't want the war, because we are losing the people. But for the Putin, uh, kind of ceasefire is something that he needs a lot, because he would be able to accumulate more weapons, more people, uh, more soldiers for his armed forces, and then to start once again with the the occupation. That's out, so this is the things he's thinking of. And then some of the countries of the world, they're searching for a way out for Putin. You have to know that. And like some countries of the world are doing that because, well, that's life. But what is his way out? I mean, suppose that he loses this war, which of course is what Ukraine wants. We want him to move back into his own uh, territory. But if he loses it, he's got uh, this warrant for genocide, for arrest. He has no place to go. He's humiliated on the world stage. He loses to Ukraine, and he has a nuclear weapon. Well, everyone understands that the most important for Ukraine is to control our borders, to uh, kind of recover the, and deoccupy our territory now. That's very important. But it's important to have an accountability for the perpetrators and the murderers. That's the second stage. At first, we need to recover the borders uh, on all territory of Ukraine. That would mean that this war is over. He understands that. If he will give a chance or he will withdraw his forces on his own from our territory or under the influence of other states, he understands that the world would uh, uh, start diplomatic relations with Putin. And when diplomacy starts to, you know, switching on, everyone uh, will find a compromise. He will find a way out. Today, it is it depends on him how many people will die in our lands. And it's not only Ukrainians, but 
it depends on him how many soldiers, his own soldiers, he will bury on our territory. And that's a fact. So he might uh, put an end to this war. And I've already mentioned this. He can stop this war if... Uh, tomorrow he will have a political will to uh, withdraw from our territory. Ukraine will surely demonstrate uh, a common position together with our partner allies. The UN, ha- the UN Security Council, yeah. Russia is a member, yeah. and um, you've been critical of the UN. And uh, Putin didn't come here to the UN this, this year. Um, is the UN? Do you see the UN as a, an a effective tool to help resolve this or to help you? Or is it just letting Putin do whatever Putin wants to do? They allow Putin to have a tool, and that's all. Uh, well, there are countries that were elected with the veto uh, of power, and uh, so the Russia is imposing veto, and that is a very significant challenge. That's what we are talking about. We can overcome the veto. We can increase the number of uh, member nations of the UN Security Council, which is very important. Uh, the whole world has to be heard. And uh, if there is only a couple of nations are deciding that, then why are we gathering? Why do we have these hundreds of other countries that are not deciding? Why do we have the decision of the General Assembly? Why do we have the resolution of General Assembly when the majority of the countries are not uh, supporting, or when we have some countries that are not supporting that Russia is aggression, when some of the countries are saying or uh, blaming that someone is aggress- uh, committing aggression, uh, is violating the UN Charter, and if if there is no foundation, then what do we have? It's just a policy, just, you know, nothing, it's just talking. That's what we are criticizing. We're criticizing not the UN, but we're criticizing that we have this largest political institution in the world, the largest platform which has no influence, which can stop, can't stop any terrorist, any aggressor, any death. That's the institution that is incapable of returning the children who were deported, you know, who were abducted into the Russian Federation. We cannot return the POWs. We cannot exchange them. We cannot have an impact on this or that logistical corridor, because uh, otherwise it might create havoc and uh, hunger in the world. That's why I believe we have to reinforce institutionally the UN. And there are several steps for doing that. Well, several wise come steps in order to reinforce the UN institutionally. I don't think a lot of people know about the children. I mean, it doesn't get quite the worldwide attention that, um, that Russia, you know, that Putin's taken the children from Ukraine. It, it has not gotten, I mean, I know about it in news organizations, but in general, I don't think that that's gotten quite the, the coverage of what he's done about the children. Look, we are fighting today not against Russia. We are fighting against Russian propaganda in the whole world. So whenever we have kind of a real situation, a real challenge, uh, kind of uh, killings of people, torturing, abducting children, every point 
You know, we're kind of like the sun. We try to penetrate through the clouds to the people because there's Russian propaganda, which is being reinforced. It's, it's exerting pressure. It's kind of uh, uh, neutralizing other information. We have to talk more about this. We have to talk about it with the journalists. And I'm grateful for the journalists for mentioning that. And I'm grateful now that you're reminding that about this to the world. Mr. President, thank you very much for talking to me, sir. And good luck tomorrow. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Not bad. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, though. I don't know how, Craig, that this possibly ends because the people of Russia seem to be behind Putin because he owns the media, the state-run media. So it's almost like the, he, he doesn't have opposition from within. And he's, and he's sitting there. As long as he's got military weapons, he will continue. And, the, and, and I mean, I don't, I don't see the end of this, do you? I, yeah, I don't know what happens next, but how about this? What about his campaign to win over, you know, the hearts and minds of the American people? You mentioned earlier he's yeah. losing that. Did he allude to, I, like, I, another strategy? No, I mean, look, it's like, you know, he, he needs money, he needs weapons. And, he, and he's going to get them from President Biden and from Congress. The question is how much. But President Biden and, and, the, and the Congress, of course, are up for re-election. And there aren't a lot of American people who really want to pay money for a war that they don't feel directly impacts them. And we've got, you know, as I noticed, we've got $33 trillion debt. We've got inflation rising. We've got, you know, people, you know, jobs. We've got strikes here in the United States. This is not on the plate, you know, of most Americans, you, what's going on in Ukraine. So I think that's his challenge. Because um, if, he, if he wants help from us, he really does need to convince the American people that this is critical that we help or else. It was interesting. I think all your questions, uh, they weren't gotcha questions. They were curiosity. You, you really wanted to know the answer. I mean, well, I don't know how you could say, I don't know how this ends. How does this end? You tell me. How does well, this I end? I mean, you know what? I, okay, here's how it ends. Um, President Trump is elected in November of 2024, and he actually sits down at the table and does what he said, that he could actually work out an agreement. I think he commands the respect of both of those two individuals. President Trump, we don't know the plan, but he has said that you can't do it unless you're president, unless you have the power of the office to do it. And you get, the two, and you get them both to the table. I, I mean, think, I think yeah. he can do it. But, but, I mean, right now, is it, what, I mean, Putin, I mean, Putin, it seems like, this is just my imagination, he's sort of boastful and prideful. Well, if, he's got his people behind him. Um, he insists this property is his, this land is his. And, if, and he, no matter what happens, he's got this ICC, this International Criminal Court, saying he's a war criminal. I mean, I mean he, he's getting cornered, a cornered rat, um, if, you know, acts irrationally. And, I mean, not that he's been acting so rationally so far by by all the all the killings and going into Ukraine. Well, President um, Biden may have called him a war criminal, but President Trump conspicuously did not. And the ICC may say that. I don't know if they've officially labeled him so. Sun Tzu said, you have to build your enemy a golden bridge on which to retreat. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, you might be honest on it, too, because the ICC has about, on about 115 nations that are members of it. The United States is not a member. We're not a member of the International Criminal Tribunal. So, we, you know, that's, I mean, that does give an out for our president to try to take the, take the stage and resolve things. Well, I'm glad you're talking about peace. And I'm glad uh, President Trump is as well. And I'm glad you met with President Zelensky. Very cool. And I'm glad to be on, on the set with you. What fun. Uh, it's like old times. Anytime. Anyway, anytime. Thank, thank you, you Greta. See you. And thank you, folks. The Right Squad with Chris Plant starts now.